wedding. We've got the second installment for you in a little bit, but we're going to purposely not play it for you for a little while so you can listen to us talk. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we just, we're trying to tease you. That's all it is. So I wanted to say, to, I want to give an update. I'm still in Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> but I listen. I mean, I've been talking about this for three weeks now, I think. I literally think this is the third week I've been on this. But I actually went back and looked. The first two books are 20 hours yeah. and the second, the third one is 21 hours. I'm like, I'm going to reread it too. As huge. much as you've been talking about it, I've pulled it up for when I go on vacation. Oh I'm telling you, I am so fucking deep. So deep. Like, I just read that I started the third book last night at like 11 o'clock, which. Huge mistake. Why do I do that I to myself? Know. Why? Self-sabotage. You know, and, oh, my God. I've got so many books that I want to read. Not even that I need to read. There's so many I want to read, but I have to finish this. I'm like, I'm this far. I'm going to see it through. Yeah. But I just realized, like, the final, the third book from Gray's perspective comes out, like, next week. Nice. <laughs> like, like, this is insane. Oh, when is this recording? Like, or when is this? Hold on. We're, like, two weeks ahead now. Oh, my God. My birthday's tomorrow. <laughs> so <laughs> I just realized that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so the, it it came out this week. So the third the third book in the Fifty Shades Free from Gray's perspective came out this week. So I was like, this is kind of apt that I'm reading it now. But, you know, they some of the girls were talking about it, or some of the women were talking about it in Read Me Romance Headquarters, our Facebook group. And they were like, oh, thank you for, you know, opening this discussion about, like, what it did for romance. And so many of them were saying, like, they loved Christian's perspective better. Oh. And I was like, shit, I've never heard anybody say it was good. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, there's so many. I know. I was like, shit, I cannot keep going in this. I can't go back and do from his perspective now. I'll be on this for like another month. Maybe give it a little yeah. bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. That's the good thing about it. But I actually had like a moment last weekend where I was thinking about all the books I have to read. And I was just like. What if I just never read all the books I want to read? I don't think you will read all the books you want to read. I know. It made me really sad because I just never had that thought before. And I was like, I really will be buried next to my TBR pile. Like, there'll just be a pile of books next to me when I die of books I've yet to read. I've been reading uh, Nilla Crawford. I don't know if anybody's... Oh, yeah, yeah. I've read a few of her books lately, and I've really been... uh, loving them. I think we even, she did an ad with us for like hell something. That book Mm -hmm. was good. She has a high school romance one. That one was good. But I have a question for anybody that's read her before. All of her heroes are, her books are safe. She follows that thing. But usually all the books I've read so far, the heroes get like spooked. Not spooked like they don't, I don't know how to explain it. Like they, they think they're not good enough for the heroine. So they kind of stand back some. But the girls don't chase them either. That would drive me insane. Mm -hmm. They don't chase. But I was wondering if there's any of her books, because she has a ton, and I was scrolling through what I wanted to read next, if there's anywhere the hero is in full-on pursuit the whole time. 
That's a great question. So anybody, Lady listeners, tell yeah, us. Yeah, give me recommendations for that because I think I've read like three or four of her books and I've enjoyed She's got all a lot of, of books so far. Yeah. So. She's got a lot. I'm curious which I should read back if somebody wants to let me know. I love that. And all of her stuff is in Kindle Unlimited. Oh, even better. You you had me at Katie. That's great. Um, okay, so I have I have two things I want to talk about, which I feel like are maybe a pretty good discussion, but one of which is Chrissy Oh my Teigen. god, I knew you were gonna say that. Did you? Oh my god. I was like, so, she's I mean say I just Chrissy Teigen. Ah, yes. Ah, I'm just so upset about it. I am. I got really upset when I read it. I was like, I'll tell you this. I know that when she got off of, she said that comment on Twitter, Celia Uh texted me and she was like, Chrissy Teigen left Twitter. And I said, she'll be back. And she was like, she said something about bullying. I said, well, that's kind of stupid because in my opinion is Mm -hmm. I've known that she's kind of bullied people before. Like she went after another chef who made an off the cuff comment. Like, a year yeah, ago, mm-hmm. and I felt bad for this show because everybody yeah, went yeah. after her, and I was like, I know mm-hmm. what that's like, and that's yep. traumatizing to be bullied online. So, and then I remembered, I even said to Celia, I said, "Well, she did some fucked up shit to um, Stockton, Stockton, Courtney Stodden. but yeah. I only, I only knew this, but I didn't know how bad it was until now. Yeah. I only knew this yeah. because I watched her. She's been on a few reality shows." And she had commented about it. So I knew that Tian had bullied her when she was a girl, 16. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. I didn't realize how bad it was until yeah. this week where there yeah. was reading the comments of take a dirt nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you didn't hear this week, Courtney Stodden was in giving an interview and she said she thought it was rich that, you know, Chrissy Teigen got off Twitter for bullying. That was part of it. She did come back. But um, she said, you know, she had that Chrissy Teigen had told her in a tweet to take a dirt nap and basically just told her she was trash. And if you don't know who Courtney Stodden is, it's OK. Most people don't. But a few years ago, 10 years ago, she was 16 years old and married a 52 year old man. He was like a child actor. And he then he went on to do reality TV and stuff. He later. was in the green she mile. Was 16. Yes. Yes. It was legal. And her parents signed everything and agreed to it, but it was also disgusting. It was. And she was basically a child bride. I mean, it was disgusting. They stayed together for a long time, too. Yeah, but I don't think she was in any sort of mental capacity or a good place in her life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you cannot be okay if you think marrying a 52-year-old man when you're 16 is okay. Mm-hmm. You can't, like, that's, that does not, somebody has missed a step in parenting. You know, like we were talking about, you missed a yeah. step. This was one, this is a big this one. Is a big step. I don't, yeah. I think a lot of the problem with it, not that I'm giving anybody a pass, is that when you looked yeah. at Courtney Sutton when she was 16, she looked like she was mm-hmm. 25. Yeah, she did. She had like fake boobs already, I think. Did she have fake boobs? I don't know. She I always remember big boobs, blonde hair, the whole Marilyn Monroe look going. Yeah. I mean, it just sounded like there was so many predatory people around her that were feeding off of this fame. And so they just pushed things on her that I'm sure she agreed to, you know, because what 16-year-old doesn't want fame and money and all this stuff, you know? And this rich guy throwing money at her and all this crap. Well, and LB and I talked about it this weekend when I read about it, and she was like, and she had a great point. She was like, what 
threat did Courtney Sodden ever like may or what what did she pose to Chrissy Teigen? Like what could she what could Courtney and Sodden ever done that would have done anything to Chrissy Teigen? I mean, it felt like a really bullying thing to do. And I don't know what the situation was, obviously. I didn't read any of the conversation. Maybe Courtney Sodden said something to her and she clapped back. But the fact that Chrissy Teigen went in her DMs and continued to be like, I just wish you would die. You know, like those kind of, it was super fucked up. It was super, because I think that they put them together as that they were promoting this kind of thing, which is okay. But yeah, she's yeah. forgetting she's still only a six, she's a victim. She's yeah, the victim yeah. I mean, this situation. was 10 years ago. While she might be yeah, saying, I'm happy, 16. leave us alone, she's still a victim. Mm-hmm. Well, at the time, too, I think, what, Christy Tegan was, what, 25, maybe, mm-hmm. at the time? And she was, according to Stardom, was 16. You know, here's the thing. is like, I am so sick to my stomach that Christy Tegan did this. But the cancel culture leaves no room for correction. It leaves no room for growth. It leaves no room for change. And one an article I was reading said that this is a tremendous opportunity for Christy Tegan to make this right. Yeah. To either become an ally with Courtney Stodden, to to do something with like suicide prevention, yeah. to get involved with that, to make amends. Like there is room right now for her to correct this bullshit. Yeah. And I hope that's what happens because dismissing someone for something they did, even if, even in this situation where it's really fucked up, by cutting them off, it doesn't make the person go away yeah. and it teaches them nothing. Like you know, if my child, like, said something to another kid that was super fucked up, you know, I mean, yeah, she's a child, but, you know, I know we've, I've said this before, but we're, this is the first time we're all going through life. You will make mistakes. You're not going to get it right the first time, you know, like this, it, you know, cutting Chrissy Teigen off and being like, fuck her, like she's done, kick her off the internet. Like that just doesn't solve this issue. If I went back five years on some of the things that I used to tweet and post, I would probably, yeah. there's stuff I remember kind of, I wish I never posted mm-hmm. or said. Yeah. That I've grown yeah. up, come a long way, realized how stupid and mean immature. and immature yeah. things yeah. were mm-hmm. that I said. Yeah. So I understand yeah, it really to a certain degree, but then I'm like, I don't want to give you a pass. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, people grow, people change, yeah. and we have to mm-hmm. accept that. We can't just keep casting people out. Yeah. I think, like I said, I think this is an opportunity for Chrissy Teigen to acknowledge, not only acknowledge this, she did publicly. Like she said that in the past she had reached out to Courtney Stodden and, and apologized, but that Courtney Stodden was like, I don't want anything to do with you, which is absolutely her yeah. right. Like she doesn't have to accept Chrissy Dickens' apology whatsoever. But Chrissy said that she had reached out to her and, but she wanted to make her apology public because she publicly did this to her. Yeah. And I like that. So, but as much as I really, really loved Chrissy Teigen and, you know, I just won't have the same look on I her, know. you know, I hope that, like I said, I hope that she can somehow make this, make this a, le- a learning lesson and take away from it something really valuable. I hope that's what happens because I would hope again, like putting myself in this same situation, you know, where an old tweet or an old Facebook post or something else brought to light and people start questioning, you know, my character, I would hope that I would be given 
at least the benefit of the doubt, if not the opportunity to make it right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I just wanted to discuss that. And then the other thing that I want to talk about was the the indie press, the, the independent um, book publisher. It's called Violet Gaze Press. Um, the lady that was with it, um, her name's Brittany. I actually talked to her last week. So what happened is Violet Gaze Press, and oh, I pulled up their thing so I can tell you what they are. Violet Gaze Press is a small UK-based indie publisher of swoon-worthy, diverse romances. We are passionate about creating books that encompass love in all its forms. At VGP, we welcome own voices submissions from, uh, BIPOC, I think that's like BIPOC, LGBTQA+, NB Disabled, and Neurodiverse Authors. We are committed to putting books into the world that foster a sense of being seen and that make people feel loved and lovable. So, Violet Gaze Press. I got a message from a reader last week that said, hey, have you heard Violet Gaze Press? Their account got pulled on Amazon. And she said, someone mentioned you on Twitter and said, maybe you could reach out to her. And I was like, I don't know what I can say. I don't know what I can offer to her, but I will absolutely reach out to her. So I messaged her on Instagram and I could tell like she was, you know, really flustered, really upset. Like, obviously, um, you know, her publishing account was taken down. It wasn't like it was just her books, you know, the it was her whole publishing, you know, thing was just removed from Amazon. She was kicked off. They weren't, they said the reason she was giving was it said her account had been previously removed. And so they, and, and if you ever get kicked off Amazon and you go back on and they find out, they kick you off and they don't pay you any of the money you earned the past three months because they pay out every three months. So they just take away all the money you made, which really fucking sucks. So, anyway, so they pulled her account. They said that hers had been previously removed um, for, like, violating terms and conditions. And so, anyway, so I was messaging her, and I said, can we just video chat? I said, I feel like it'll be better if we can talk to each other. And so, she was so sweet. We actually stayed on, like, video chat for, like, 45 minutes. And at one point, she was like, well, I'm really glad you made me video chat. She's like, I was really anxious and didn't want to, but it made me shower and, like, put on some makeup. <laughs> I don't know, which was really sweet. But she is such a lovely person. And, you know, we talked for a while, and I, I really didn't have anything to offer other than just a friendly ear to say, I know exactly what you're going through. I know how you feel, and it'll be okay. Yeah. And so, luckily, you know, she had – so much support, especially on Twitter there, you know, because they're publishing, I mean, it is a small indie publishing house, but the books that they publish are so important to so many minorities. And so it was, Twitter was used for good that day instead of evil. And so, and it was great. Like so many people were, you know, hounding Amazon and everybody else and tagging them in it constantly tweeting about it. And it really is like, if you annoy someone enough, like they will answer yeah. you. And so eventually she got somebody on there and they, they restored her account. They realized it was a mistake and they restored it. So, and that I've never seen that happen. I've never seen an account that's been removed, come back. So I, I thought I was so excited for her and, you know, she was so sweet. She, like, messaged back and was like, thank you so much for, you know, conversation and just talking about it and stuff. And, I, and you know, I think there was a lot to learn for her from this experience, you know, because 
I think all of their books right now are in KU. So if you read K, if you're in KU at all, go check out the Violet Gaze Press and all of their authors on there. But I think the fact that all of their books were in KU, she was like, maybe we should go wide. Like, this was really scary to know that in one click, like, all your books can go away. I mean, it's tough because, you know, with Kindle Unlimited, you have a built-in audience automatically. You know, anytime you upload a book in KU, there's readers already there and established ready to read your book. If you go to, like, Amazon and Barnes or, you know, Apple and Barnes & Noble, you know, you have to find your audience there. And it's not easy. And, you know, it takes time to grow that. But it is beneficial in the long run that you're putting eggs in lots of baskets instead of one. So, but, you know, it was such an interesting experience to talk to someone who was in that same situation, you know, that we were a couple years ago now. And it's like, it really brought back a lot of trauma, (laughs) you know, when I was talking to her. But at the same time, it felt really good to be able to, like, share that experience, I guess, so she didn't feel alone. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, why does Amazon do this? Like, why is it just, like, we're going to do a sweep and your account's gone? Like, why does this happen? I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It just, you know, it baffles me. And, and the longer, you know, the, it ha- the more it happens, the more I don't understand it. Because her account wasn't the only one that was taken out that day. Like, there was like three or four that went down too. And I don't know if anybody else's was restored or not. I mean, I just like, I, I don't understand any of it. But I did want to give a shout out to Violet Gaze Press and just say that um, if you can support um, anybody, you should definitely support an indie publishing house that focuses on diverse romances for minorities and people of color and the LGBTQA community. Like it, that should be something you support with your dollars. Definitely. Um, and then I also wanted to ask you, what are we writing? (laughs) I have that on my, on my ask you list. We're writing. So what are we working on? A new adult. I guess so. Yeah. I guess you call it that. They're in high school. I think we talked about it last week when we like, I was like, oh, we can combine two t- stories. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We did discuss a little bit. We just finished The Inmate's Obsession, which was just filthy. Okay. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed writing that book. <laughs> it was so dirty. There was uh, no bags of semen passed back and forth if you've been here <laughs> since the lockdown. Hey, I think that's coming back like this week. Stop it. Season. Are you serious? Yeah, with new people. Are you so excited? I am so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, we just finished the inmate book, and so we've started this new one, and I don't know what we're going to call it yet, but I actually really loved your opening chapter that you wrote. I got, when I read it, I was like, oh, this is really good. Like, she's setting it up nice. So, it's about this girl named Celeste. Uh, she is starting in a new school. Her mom's like this sort of hippie like psychic traveler and she like they bounce from town to town they're with the circus for a while and so they're in this new town and it's on an island and it's called craven cove and she's starting her senior year of high school and there's an incident that happens in the gymnasium on her first day and it's wonderful <laughs> <so>. <laughs> and terrible too so. it's nice to have i don't know 
I like when there's like a mother daughter or a best friend to go with mm-hmm. the girl to yeah. go back and forth. Uh huh. There is like I think it also gives a a better sense of the character when you can see it from someone else's perspective, like how the mom sees yeah. her, you know, or how she sees the mom. I think that tells you a lot about someone on how they see their parents yeah. and stuff. So it's been such a joy to write it so far, but you know, we're only two chapters in, so we'll see. <laughs> this is in the, this is the honeymoon stage yeah. right now. So, but so far we're loving it. We have a book that just came out um, a couple of weeks ago. I, I forgot to mention it, but it is the summer bundle. It's called Summertime Sweets. There's four books in it. They're like our favorite beach reads. Um, you can grab that up. It's like just our favorite summer beach reads and one click. They're all previously released, but they're our favorite. So we just decided to put them together in a beach read bundle. So there you It'll go. Make sure you check that out. only be for a time. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're only going to have it up for a little bit and then we'll pull it down and then you'll never have it again. <laughs> so make sure you check that out. And then, um, yeah, we'll have. I can't remember what else is coming out next. We have another book that was coming out too. But I, oh, the kidnapping book. We still haven't named that one. Like the one where like he kidnaps the girl back and oh. takes her to her family. I know, right? We haven't even named that book. That one's really dirty too. How do I? I know. <laughs> I know. I know, right? I was I thinking about covers. that. I was like, shit. Oh no. So we have the we have the summertime sweets and then we're gonna have a kidnapping book. And I don't know what we're gonna call it. Like we don't have a, a name. We've just been calling it a kidnapping book. So that one was really dirty, really fun. That's the one where she was kidnapped from her real family as a baby and raised by another family and there's like a big secret as to why. And so the real family hires this like like Russian hitman to go find her and bring her home and there's lots of dirty, nasty things that happen along the way. <laughs> Maybe an accidental daddy book. I don't know. <laughs> like, you're that. Out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how. It was probably because you were reading, like, Just a Dean during that time. And you're like, accidental daddy book. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, oh, we're going to need to write this now. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So, that one's coming out, too. So, be on the lookout for those books. And, like I said, the inmate book and then the one we're working on now. So, Follow us and we'll tell you. Let's see. We've got, you know, the second installment of A Breaker's Wedding by Lori Roma. Um, I just want to remind you to enter this week's giveaway. It is um, three. She's giving away three books. The Hammer's Fall, Night's Eve, and Dante's Angel to three winners. So make sure you grab that. And then also grab Hammer's Fall, which is book one in the Breaker's Bad Boy series. It's on sale right now for 99 cents. A Breaker's Wedding will be on sale um, during this podcast week as well. So that's the, this book that you're listening to, it's that, but it's expanded. So there's like way more to it. Ashes Flame is a pre-order. It's up now. It'll be available at the end of September. Um, That's the crossover between Breaker's Bad Boys and ID Agency. Um, so yeah, I think that's everything. She's got so much. This is great. Like she had it all broken down and everything. This yeah. is awesome. <laughs> so we're going to send you into the second installment and we'll see you on the other side. Chapter three. And this is the silver ballroom. As I explained earlier, it's set up almost the same as the gold room that I showed you upstairs, but I believe this might suit your color scheme better. Lila, the Palace Resorts event coordinator, stated. 
You would also have access to the entire seascape terrace on this level. Hammer followed behind Callie and his mother Maddie as Lila led them into the large circular room. The silver ballroom was elegantly decorated in silver and white, with hints of black worked into the carpet that covered most of the floor. A massive silver chandelier hung from the center of the ceiling over a black, white, and silver marble medallion dance floor, adding just enough glamour to the room without making it look cluttered. The space surrounding the dance floor was big enough to fit dozens of large tables, and there was an additional seating area located on a second tier along the outer edge of the room. A few tables had been dressed up to show them various options of plates, cutlery, and centerpieces. A wall of wide windows with the view of the water created a beautiful backdrop that took up more than half of the room, and a set of French doors led out to the generous stone terrace. Hammer thought it was perfect, but he held back his opinion as he watched Callie to gauge her reaction. He felt relaxed and happy, especially after he'd won the challenge last night. He'd made love to her on the weight bench, then he'd taken her in the shower in his private office, and again once they had gotten home. After they'd woken up, they had talked about changing the location of their reception while they had still been cuddled together in bed. Thankfully, she hadn't been upset. She understood moving locations would be the best thing for the animals at the rescue center, so she'd been excited to check out the palace resort in Ever After. When she turned toward him with joy shining in her eyes, he knew they'd found their new wedding venue. While the view of the water is lovely this time of day, this might give you a better idea of what to expect the night of your wedding. Lila walked over to a hidden panel on the wall and pressed a few buttons. Security shades lowered over the windows, darkening the entire room. A few seconds later, the chandelier ignited with a soft golden glow, and the silver sconces on the walls lit up with a deep pink light pointing up toward the ceiling and down to the floor. The colored lights changed the ambiance of the room from cultured elegance to an almost posh nightclub or trendy lounge vibe. Callie let out a gasp of delight as she turned around in a slow circle. Oh my, I can't believe how different it looks in here. We can change the lights to any color you'd like if... No, Callie said on a rush, cutting her off. I love it. I love everything about this room including the pink lights. Hammer grinned as she practically skipped over to him, and he pulled her into his arms and leaned down to kiss her, wanting to taste her happiness. Unable to help himself, he took the kiss deeper. Her small hands clenched at his biceps, and she panted for breath when he finally released her. God, he fucking loved how easily she reacted to his touch. So... What do you think? Should we do it? She blinked up at him, and the confusion on her face made him want to laugh. Callie shot him a teasing frown. You made me forget where we were and what we were doing for a moment. He wiggled his eyebrows at her. Want me to do it again? She gave in and giggled. Behave! Lowering her voice, she added, At least until we get home. That's it. We're leaving right now. Smiling, she playfully slapped at his chest, then simply rested her hand on his black t-shirt directly over his heart 
where the tattoo of her in full fairy form was inked into his skin. I want to have our first dance as husband and wife here. Done. Her green eyes sparkled up at him as he started to sway with her. What? I figured we should get some practice in. I don't think you need any more practice, she teased. Since she was one of the few people who knew he had taken some dance classes to improve his footwork back when he'd been a professional fighter, he didn't have to ask what she meant by that. Taking her hand in his, he secured his other arm around her waist and twirled her around the room in a slow waltz. When they came to a stop, he made her giggle again as he bowed and kissed her knuckles. Grabbing the skirt of her denim dress, she gave him a little curtsy in return. I think it's absolutely perfect, Callie said with a happy sigh. What do you think, Maddie? I love it too, his mother declared, beaming a smile at them as she hurried over to hug them both. My babies, you had me sold at Central Air Conditioning. June in Texas is hell on my hair. That is definitely a factor to consider, Hammer said with a laugh. Let's do the paperwork and get this ball rolling. Excellent, Lila exclaimed as she hit the buttons to turn the lights off and lift the shades over the windows. Now we have some options for... Here, let me show you what we have arranged so far. Maddie grinned as she pulled a large binder out of her ginormous bag. She grabbed Lila's hand and dragged the bemused event coordinator toward the closest table. His mother had been helping them plan the wedding with the fortitude of a seasoned professional. He liked to joke that she was just relieved to finally see him getting married, but the truth was Maddie loved Callie like she was her own daughter. In fact, his entire family loved her. It warmed his heart to know she had such a close relationship with all of them, especially since Callie's own family was a bunch of useless assholes. Don and Gina Redford were social climbers who were constantly trying to claw their way to the top of Houston's elite society. Since their daughter wanted no part of that life and wouldn't help them increase their status, Callie wasn't a priority to either of them. Sadly, she never had been. He didn't understand how Callie had turned out to be so sweet and loving when she'd come from those two selfish, greedy assholes. They hadn't even bothered to come to Hammer and Callie's engagement party, claiming they'd already had plans to attend a gallery opening they couldn't miss. He didn't give a fuck if they came to the wedding or not, except for some inexplicable reason, Callie still wanted them there. Hammer knew he scared her dad enough to keep him in line, but her mom was another story. That jealous harpy was always making snide remarks, trying to make her daughter feel small but he wouldn't tolerate that. He'd make damn sure they knew he was protecting Callie now. They could come to the wedding if they behaved, but if they did one thing to upset his bride, he had no problem humiliating them by booting them out on their asses. When Callie's phone rang, she pulled it out of her purse and glanced down at the screen. I'm so sorry, I have to take this. It's the wedding dress designer. Maddie waved a hand in the air. Go ahead, sweetie. We'll be here. Callie hurried out onto the terrace to take the call since she didn't want Hammer hearing about her new dress. Bliss Fortuna was a famous designer who had recently come to Ever After for a mutual friend's wedding. 
She had decided to stick around to work on some new designs for her latest couture collection and had stunned Callie by offering her one of the dresses. Hammer walked over to the wall of windows and hooked his thumbs into the front pocket of his jeans as he stared out at the sun sparkling on the blue water beyond the glass. Now that they had another venue for the reception and Callie was getting a fancy new wedding dress, he finally felt some of the tension he'd been carrying around for the last few days ease. It didn't take Callie long to finish her call, and he strolled out onto the terrace to join her. Everything okay? More than okay, actually. I'm going to meet up with Bliss tomorrow. She has around a dozen dresses with her, but she can also have anything from her boutique in New York overnighted. That's great, baby. Now we can finally relax a little. She shot him a horrified expression. Oh, God, you've totally jinxed us now. He opened his mouth to protest, then closed it again. Fuck, he totally had, and he freaking knew better than to chance fate like that. They both turned as a cool blonde walked toward them. Rachel King had greeted them when they had pulled up to the front entrance of the resort, but she'd had to excuse herself shortly after introducing them to the event coordinator they'd be working with. While she seemed a little young to be managing a hotel, she had an air about her that reminded him of someone used to being in command. Besides, from what he'd heard, she'd practically spent her entire life learning how to run a palace hotel. It was her family's business, after all. She smiled as she joined them. I'm sorry I wasn't able to accompany you on the tour. Was Lila able to answer all your questions? She was wonderful, and we love the silver ballroom, Callie gushed. Thank you again for doing all of this for us. The hotel is pretty much finished. We can consider this our soft opening. Your wedding will give us an opportunity to make notes and fix things before we have our grand opening. It also doesn't hurt to be hosting such prominent members of the local community for our first event. Let's call this little venture Good Community Relations. Hammer flashed a grin. Glad we could help. No matter what she said, he knew she was only doing this as a favor for a friend of a friend, or however that convoluted connection worked. He was grateful anyway. So far, he'd been impressed by everything he'd seen at the resort, and he knew it would be packed once it officially opened for business. They talked for several minutes, finalizing some of the details, then Rachel said, We have several shuttles we're planning to use for airport runs. We can arrange to have them transport your guests from the church back to the hotel if you'd like. That would be great. Hammer mentally crossed off one more item on their to-do list. And we can rent rooms for our guests? She nodded. A few levels are still being decorated, but the rest of the floors are open for occupation. Just let me know how many rooms you need, and we'll confirm that for you. They'd already reserved rooms at a hotel in Breakers, but having people stay at the resort now that the reception was there just made more sense. Callie peered up at him through veiled lashes before asking, Is there a honeymoon suite or something available? We have fabulous duplex suites in the North and South Towers. Perfect. I want to do it. I mean, we want to do it. A blush bloomed on her cheeks. The suite, that is. We want to reserve one of those suites. Of course. 
I'll tell Lila to add that to the list, Rachel promised. She kept her expression neutral, but her blue eyes sparkled with amusement as she excused herself, leaving them alone on the terrace. Hammer pulled Callie into his arms with a chuckle. That's quite a blush, little fairy. What exactly were you thinking about doing in our honeymoon suite? Stop, she groaned, letting her head fall against his chest. She's going to think I'm some kind of sex fiend. That made him laugh. I don't mind you being a sex fiend. He lowered his voice. And I like the idea of locking you away with me in a tower where I can have my wicked way with you. In fact, I can't think of a better way to start our honeymoon. Chapter 4 The wedding day had finally arrived. After the last few frantic weeks of preparations, the big day was finally here. Callie thought she would have been a jumbled mess of nerves, but all she felt was the thrill of anticipation and a healthy dose of excitement. She couldn't wait to be Jared's wife. Just thinking about him put a smile on her face. Last night, he'd refused to sleep apart from her, even though her friends had wanted to declare a girl's night. Instead, they'd had several people over for pizza before calling it an early night. That morning, while the stars had still filled the sky, he'd woken her with soft kisses and whispered words of love. They'd made love in the fading moonlight, then they'd fallen back to sleep wrapped around one another for a few more hours. It had been the perfect way to start the day. Their friends had literally had to drag him out of the house a few hours ago so they could start getting ready. It had been decided that the ladies would get dressed at their house, while Jared and his groomsmen would get ready at another house close by. The hairstylist and makeup artists were set up downstairs in the large living room, and her friends were taking turns getting beautified while enjoying some food to go with the champagne they were drinking. No alcohol for her, Callie thought with a smile, putting a loving hand over her baby bump. Since her red and gold hair was already styled around the small, delicate tiara she wore, she was taking a few minutes alone in her bedroom. She'd wanted a little privacy to open the gift Jared had left for her on their bed, and she knew she had to do it before she got her makeup done in case she cried. Hell, who was she kidding? She was totally going to cry. As she played with the pale pink bow on the silver box, she glanced over at her wedding gown where it was hanging next to the full-length mirror in their bedroom. While the first one she had chosen at the boutique had been a more classic style, her current wedding dress was a gorgeous, strapless ball gown covered in intricate beading, tiny crystals, and silver gemstones. She felt like a princess in it, but the generous skirt was a little overwhelming. It definitely made a statement, though. The ball gown was perfect for the ceremony, but Callie had secretly gotten another dress for the reception. That one was a stunning masterpiece of illusion insets, sweet floral lace, and layers of flowing tulle. The deep sweetheart neckline was far more daring than she was used to, and the champagne layer under the white lace and tulle made it look like she was showing way more skin than she actually was, but she figured the usual just wouldn't do on her wedding day. Best of all, when she had tried on the gown, her baby bump had showed just enough to make her feel like some sort of magical fertility goddess. 
She was ready for the world to know she was carrying Jared's baby. And when she found out that Bliss had called the creation the Moonlight Fairy Gown, Callie had known she'd had to have it. The second dress had already been secreted away in the suite at the resort, along with the luggage they had packed for their honeymoon. The secret honeymoon Jared had planned for them. Since they were going to the hotel directly from the church, she would be able to change into the other dress after they took their formal pictures. Her initial reaction had been that she hardly deserved one couture dress, let alone two, but she had fought to silence that condescending inner voice. Callie had spent years listening to other people put her down and was determined to finally break the cycle and stop doing it to herself. That meant she also had to stop listening to whatever bullshit her mother slung her way. She'd spoken to her mother a few days ago, but she honestly had no clue if her parents were actually going to show up today. Her father was supposed to walk her down the aisle, but if he didn't come, she would be fine walking that path alone. She could do it because every step would lead her toward the man who owned her heart. The man who was her real family. Being with Jared was freeing. While she always felt loved and protected by him, he also gave her the courage to forge her own path. She wanted to be the best version of herself, not just for him, but for herself. And to do that, she had to stop letting other people, like her parents, determine her worth. Jared would be a wonderful father to their children. He would love them unconditionally, and he'd never make them feel like they weren't important to him. If they were blessed with a daughter, he would proudly walk her down the aisle of her own wedding someday. And if they had a son, he would teach him how to be a man as kind and caring as he was. She tugged at the pink bow and started to unwrap her gift. She had sent Jared a love letter to read while they got ready for their wedding in separate spaces. She'd given him all the words that were in her heart, and she'd also included her own gift of sorts. Inside the letter, she had added a photo of the surprise she'd had done for him. A few days ago, Nikita had tattooed a stylized wedding band on Callie's ring finger. It was important to Jared for people to know she belonged to him, so she'd done the most permanent thing she could think of to prove that she was his in every way. Now, even when she was baking and wearing his rings on the necklace he'd given her, people would see a visual reminder that she was married to him. Since he was so observant when it came to her, she'd had to be sneaky covering it up with a flesh-colored bandage under her ring. Even so, he'd asked if she had injured herself, proving that he had noticed. She smiled to herself as she thought about how he would react when he saw the picture. The only other ink she had on her body was a tattoo of a little hammer on the back of her right shoulder. It was the same design he had used when he'd been a professional fighter. If he had gone mad with lust when he'd seen that tiny brand on her shoulder, she could only imagine how crazy he would get when he saw his ring tattooed on her finger. That delicious thought made her shiver with desire. Curiosity finally got the best of her, and she opened the box Jared had left for her. She pulled out the leather-bound photo album, tracing the engraving of their names and the fairy princess on the cover. When she opened the thick album, she let out a quiet gasp. It was their love story, told through pictures. 
There were dozens of photos of them together, at home, at work, and with their friends. He had included several pictures of them playing with their adorable puppies, and there were several snapshots they had taken while they'd been cuddled together on the couch or in bed. Tears spilled down her cheeks as she turned a page and saw a copy of their first sonogram surrounded by tiny hearts. The rest of the pages were empty, just waiting for them to add to their story, and they would, starting with their wedding. The sound of raised voices had her setting the precious gift aside. Wiping her face, she hurried out of the bedroom. Tightening the belt of her white silk robe, she leaned over the banister and peered down toward the main floor. What's going on? He's coming, one of her friends shouted. Brace for impact, another yelled as she hurried across the foyer. Callie had to put a hand over her mouth to hold back her laughter as she watched her bridesmaids rush to form a human blockade in front of the double doors. What in the world was going on? A few seconds later, there was a loud pounding on the front door. Let me in, Jared bellowed. I want to see Callie. No, Zoe Fox shouted over her shoulder. She had plastered herself against the center of the double doors as if that could bar him from entering. Son of a, where is my husband? He's supposed to be watching you. I'm right here, Angel, Dante Fox's voice called from outside. And trust me, we tried to stop him from coming over here. It was like stepping in front of a tank, Dare added from beyond the door. Hammer, my fiancé and the rest of the guys better not have any black eyes, Evelyn Beaumont shouted as she pressed her hands against one of the doors. That would completely ruin the wedding photos. Your concern for my safety's touching, babe, Dare deadpanned. I just want to see Callie for a few seconds, Jared complained loudly, cutting through the rest of the banter. Damn it, it's my wedding day. I should be able to kiss my bride without all of you interfering. You know you can't see her before the wedding. Now go away, Jared his mother ordered as she calmly walked over to join the group huddled in front of the doors. She glanced up at Callie and winked. The kissin' will have to wait until after the ceremony. But Ma, don't you Ma me. Now you can talk to Callie through the door for a few minutes, then you have to leave. Go have a beer with the boys before you get ready. Callie, honey, stay away from the windows. You don't want any bad luck on your big day. Callie hurried down the steps, and her delighted laughter spilled out when she heard her soon-to-be husband muttering on the other side. She placed her hand on the door, wishing she could touch him. Jared? Callie, can you hear me? She could, even though his voice was muffled a bit by the thick wood. Yes, I'm here. I just saw what you did for me. I love it, baby. I want to see it for real. Why can't you two sext like normal people and just use your phones? Nikita Nuria asked dryly. When Callie shot her a quick glare, Nikita's twin Becca giggled as she grabbed her sister's hand, pulling her back toward the waiting hairstylist. A few of Callie's other friends just grinned back at her, making it clear they had no intention of leaving the foyer. 
They didn't even pretend like they weren't listening to every word Callie and Jared were saying. You will, soon, she promised. I opened your gift, too. I love it. I can't wait to add more memories to the photo album. I love you, Jared. I love you, too, little fairy. Now hurry up and get ready. I'll be waiting for you at the church. I'll be the one wearing white, she teased. Resting her head against the door, she closed her eyes for a moment and just basked in the warmth of his love. Then she turned around and grinned. Come on, everyone. Let's get me married. Chapter 5 Waiting for Callie was pure hell. Shit, Hammer thought with a mental wince. Even he should know thinking that probably wasn't a good idea while he was standing in a church. He felt like he'd been waiting for this moment his whole damn life, and he was anxious for the ceremony to begin. The church looked beautiful. Each pew had been decorated with flowers and some sort of flowing gauzy material, and dozens of lanterns filled with flameless electric candles lined the wide aisle. He saw the photographer they had hired unobtrusively taking shots from the sidelines. The room was packed with their friends and family. Almost every row filled the capacity. He wasn't sure what their final count had been, but there seemed to be a lot of faces in the crowd that he didn't recognize. Thankfully, all of the new wedding details had been kept pretty quiet, but they still had security at the doors checking invitations to cut down on any crashers. They would also have private security at the resort to ensure only invited guests were allowed at the reception. To strip the power away from the nasty blogger who'd been attacking Callie, Hammer had made arrangements with a reporter from Style and Class, one of the most popular magazines in the world. He and Callie had done a brief interview with her yesterday, and they had sold her the exclusive rights to a few of their wedding photos. Since they didn't need the money, they had requested their Phoebe split between two of their favorite charities. The reporter was good friends with the owner of the company Hammer was a spokesman for, so that made him feel better about the deal. The reporter had also been kind to Callie after she'd noticed how nervous his little fairy had been about the interview. That had definitely put her in his good graces. What made the deal even sweeter was she had crossed paths with unscrupulous people like the blogger before, and she took great enjoyment in eviscerating them with her own words. He wasn't sure if that was enough, but Callie had thought it seemed like fitting revenge. As he continued to glance around the room, he caught his mother's gaze, and the love and pride in her eyes almost made him get choked up. They had come a long way, from both of them suffering at the hands of his abusive father, to when she had done her best to provide a safe and happy home for him as a single mother. Then, Maddie had married Tony Savante, a wonderful man who loved her the way she deserved. Now, their large extended family was more than a name only. They were friends, confidants, and a support system that would always be there for one another. It gave him comfort to know that if anything ever happened to him, they would be there to watch out for Callie and their children. Hammer zoned out a little as he tugged at the bow tie around his neck. He felt like an idiot wearing the thing, but knew Callie's eyes would go all dreamy when she saw him in his tux. 
That alone made it worth it. His groomsmen were lined up next to him, all of them dressed in similar fashion. When the lights dimmed a little and music started to play over the speakers, he felt like cheering. It was about fucking time. Hammer smoothed down his jacket as the first bridesmaid walked down the aisle. He frowned when she bypassed the area on the other side of the altar, walking over to an open space off to the side instead. When her husband, Dante, handed her a violin, Zoe began to play a heartbreakingly romantic tune. He'd never heard the song before, but it seemed to touch Hammer's soul. As Dante walked back to join the other groomsmen again, he paused to whisper, Zoe wrote this piece as a gift to you and Callie. She calls it Hammer's Fall. Hammer flashed a grin at him. Then he looked over at Zoe and put his hand over his heart in a silent gesture of gratitude. As the song continued, he watched as each of the bridesmaids walked down the aisle, silently wishing they weren't moving so damn slow. Each woman held a small bouquet of white, pink, and red roses that contrasted with the pale pink color of their dresses. They all looked beautiful, smiles beaming at him before they took their positions at the other side of the altar. The crowd laughed as a young boy, Shane, strutted down the aisle holding the leashes of Hammer and Callie's two pit bull puppies. Ranger had a little pillow on his back with their wedding bands attached to it, while Tink had a little basket of rose petals attached to her back. Preening under all of the attention, her tail wagged as she pranced down the white runner, scattering petals everywhere. Although the puppies loved Shane, who often took them for walks in the afternoons after school, his older brother Nate also stood close by in case he needed help. Hammer bent down and gave each of the puppies some praise and affection as Dare unfastened the rings from the pillow. Shane and Nate grinned at him before they led the dogs away. Then he glanced back down the aisle and saw Callie standing there with her arm wrapped around her father's. God, she was so fucking beautiful. She looked like a fairy princess in her wedding gown, and though she wore a veil, it didn't cover her face. The look of love she sent him nearly made his heart stop, and as she started walking down the aisle toward him, the rest of the room faded away. The sound of laughter registered, and he suddenly realized he had stalked down the aisle to meet her at the halfway point. Barely pausing to shoot her father an apologetic grin, he took Callie's hand and placed it on his own arm. Her bewildered father leaned over to kiss her cheek. Then he wandered away to take his seat beside his frowning wife. Sorry, baby, Hammer whispered as he led her toward the altar. I guess I was a little anxious to get you back in my arms. She giggled softly. I don't mind. You look so handsome, Jared. And you are so beautiful. You take my breath away. Once they were standing in front of the minister holding hands, Hammer lost himself as he gazed into Callie's eyes. He only came back to the moment when she began to speak. Jared, from the moment we met, I've been in awe of you. I fell for your kindness, your compassion, your strength, and your wonderful heart and I keep falling deeper every day. Sometimes I look at you 
and I can't believe that this kind of happiness truly exists. I can't believe I get to love you for the rest of my life. You are my best friend, my partner, and the love of my life. You are the best man I have ever known, and I'm so honored and proud to be your wife. The crowd erupted in cheers and laughter when he broke with tradition again and hauled her into his arms, kissing her passionately. When the minister cleared his throat, Hammer released her and smiled sheepishly. Sorry, she laughed softly. You don't ever have to apologize for kissing me. When he shot the crowd a grin, everyone laughed again. Then, panic struck as his mind went completely blank. He couldn't remember a single word of the vows he'd spent countless hours writing and memorizing, but suddenly he realized he knew exactly what to say. Callie, before I met you, I'd never really believed in love at first sight. But the moment you walked into my life, all of that changed. I love you with everything I am and offer myself to you, body, heart, and soul. I want to be everything you need. A partner, a lover, a friend, and a proud father to your children. I'm so honored to be your husband, and I promise you a forever filled with laughter and love. Do you, Callista Rose Redford, take Jared Caulfield? Hammer reached out and used his thumbs to wipe at the tears dripping down her cheeks. They stared at one another as the minister recited the rest of the traditional vows. When he was done, Callie smiled and said, I do. Hammer barely waited until the minister was done asking him to love, honor, and cherish Callie before he answered. Of course he fucking did. But he didn't say that, responding with the more acceptable, I do. During their ring exchange, Hammer brushed his thumb over the tattoo on Callie's finger. The dark ink was a visible declaration of her commitment to him, and he silently vowed to get a matching mark on his own ring finger. I now pronounce you husband and wife. You may now kiss your... Well, I guess he already knows. Hammer didn't hear the crowd cheer this time, since he was already too busy kissing Callie with all the love he felt for her. Satisfaction surged inside of him at knowing that she finally belonged to him and would now carry his name. When he finally pulled back, he grinned down at her. Hello, wife. Hello, husband. Are you relieved it's finally over? Over? Little fairy, we've only just begun. She let out a loud gasp of surprise when he lifted her off her feet. And with all their family and friends looking on, Hammer carried her down the aisle and into the beginning of their happily ever after. The End this has been A Breaker's Wedding by Lori Roma. Read for you by Gavin McAllister. Welcome back. Don't, hey. don't forget that if you want this expanded and more chapters, you can pick that up right now for 99 cents. 
It's in the show notes. Yeah, Breaker's Wedding. Mm-hmm. Go down to the show notes. And that's just if on wherever you're listening to podcasts, just hit details on this episode. And it's all there. All the links and all that. And if you stuff. share the episode, you can email it right to yourself. And all the links will be right there for you to copy and click and stuff. And if you're still listening, be sure to send us an email. We love those. And we love to hear from you, your stories, whatever they are. If you have a summer camp story, I really love those, especially this time of year. I want to hear it. So send them in. All right. Tell them what to do. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Hold on. Before. Let's, hold on. Before we do that, let's see who we've got next. Because oh. <laughs> I forgot to check. <laughs> did you Did you think you were in trouble? I was like, what did I forget? <laughs> No, it's okay. No, they're Second Chance by Katie yeah. Roberts. This is one that we've previously played on the podcast, but it was super awesome, and we love her, and she's got so many great books out right now that we thought we'd replay this one and talk all about her upcoming books, especially the one called Neon Gods. I'm really excited about that. So that's it. Tell them what now to do. <laughs> Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance.